80 down, 285 to go. My name is Chris. This is At A Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I was joined by Alice Shattuck of the Burn Barrel podcast. We talk about the movie Man of God. We also talk about religion and film. I think it's a pretty interesting conversation. I'll also be talking about the movie Compartment Number 6. But before I go any further, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, but they also have an online store at popstores.com. Check that out right now at popstores.com, P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything and any size, and best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors. The one I just opened was buffalo cheddar. I really like this. I'm going to be eating this while I watch Survivor tonight. This is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies now that concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, that's popstores, P-O-P-P-E-D, stores.com, and use the promo code MOVIESWITHCHRIS, you'll save 25% off your entire order. That's MOVIESWITHCHRIS, all one word, C-H-R-I-S. Go check out their flavors right now. So as I mentioned, Alice will be joining me to talk about the movie Man of God. Uh, this was a movie that was shot in Greece, uh, but this is an English language film. And they did that to obviously widen out to that American audience. Uh, this also has, they heavily promoted Mickey Rourke being in the movie. He was in the movie for maybe all of 45 seconds at the very end. This was a movie that was heavily marketed to the religious audience, especially the Orthodox one. Alice and I talk about that and kind of how movies market to religious audiences and how successful or unsuccessful they are doing that. I think it's a pretty interesting conversation. I, I hope you enjoy it. Here you go. Okay, I am here with Alice Shattuck. Hello, Alice. Hi, Chris. We are going to be talking about Man of God. Uh, I saw this movie at the Regal Fox Run. Um, it had one showing uh, nationwide uh, on at 7 p.m. on Monday. Uh, what is it, March 21st, whatever day Monday was. And yeah. uh, at least in my theater. They have, they have added a second showing, though, next Monday also. Right. So. And my theater was so full that they ended up adding a second screen. So I went into the second screen, which was pretty empty. But the first screen was full, which on a Monday night in the movie theaters is incredibly rare. Like even, you know, Batman, yes, probably would have sold out if it had one showing a night. But outside of major blockbusters, Man of God, this random Greek movie about this, uh, this saint who lived in the 1890s uh, is selling out movie theaters. What was your theater like, Alice? Um, it was also pretty full. It was not quite sold out. I was at the Cinemark at Rockingham Park uh, Mall. And so I think you've been to that theater before. It's a great theater, pretty comfy. Uh, for the most part, the theater was empty. I think most people in the cinema were there to see Man of God, definitely. Um, and the most of the theater was pretty full, except for there were some seats available down by the front, so it wasn't 100% sold out. But uh, I did talk to some other people around um, this movie. It's, an, like you said, a Greek movie, an Orthodox movie. And in the Orthodox kind of universe that I inhabit, pretty much everyone I know is either seeing these this movie on one of these two dates or 
they are complaining that it's not available at a time when they can see it or stream it or whatever. Because as far as I know, this is like pretty much the only way to see this movie is at one of these two showings in the United States. Yeah, this was produced by Fathom Events. They're the ones that do, when I talk about uh, the old movies with Ned Snark, um, they're the ones that kind of put that out. They're known for putting out like... uh, I say like event type things in movie theaters. So for instance, if you're ever at the movie theater and you see a trailer for like the Metropolitan Opera House or like a random like museum, like they might do a tour of the Louvre, usually Fathom Events puts that on. So it's, you know, Fathom Events. So it's an event type situation. And that's kind of what they made this movie into. And I'll say like walking around the lobby of the movie theater, everyone in the lobby besides me knew each other. Like you'd tell they probably all go to the same church or they all are at least in the same kind of community. And they, people were like really excited for this movie. I would say too, the demographic was much older than I've seen in, in, the, in the lobby of the movie theater. It was a lot of people in their 50s and 60s all knew each other, all going to see Man of God last night. This movie, I, I, I checked before we came on to see if I could get numbers. Fathom is famous for not putting out numbers or putting out numbers really late. So I don't have any updated numbers on that, hmm. but I imagine it did really well. Uh, I will say I didn't like this movie at all. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But I, I will say, though, from a circuit box office perspective, it was uh, incredibly successful, I imagine. I mean, I would think for, you know, the number of showings that they have, that the, the average is probably pretty high of the number of seats sold. So um, I also know, I tried to find some international numbers. I couldn't really find much. I know it did really well in the Greek box office in particular. And um, a few of the Greek actors are pretty well known, um, as well as there's a Russian actor who's pretty well known who's in it. And then obviously Mickey Rourke, who's in the movie for all of like, two and a half minutes, probably, or something. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Um, I've seen some posters where he's second build. He might be in the right. movie for 48 seconds. It is wild. I don't know if I've ever seen, you know, it's, plus it's a Mickey Rourke. It's not like it's, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's this washed up actor. I mean, yeah, he did The Wrestler, you know, about a decade ago. But other than that, I mean, Mickey Rourke hasn't really been around very much. And to have him be second build for all 48 seconds is was, was quite right. a move so by producers. I, I tried to figure this out. I mean, I guess on... Somebody told me he was like somehow involved in the production, but that when I read up on it, that didn't seem to be the case at all. Uh, but I looked around and, you know, he has been pretty religious of late, although he's Catholic, but his girlfriend is Russian. So maybe she's like a Russian model. So maybe that's how he kind of got in sucked into this project. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think they kind of use this as a wedge to get into the American market and to give the film a little bit of credibility uh, in the American market. They also had some disruptions due to COVID during the filming. So they were like about to start filming and then it got delayed because it was supposed to start in like March of 2020. So then the second everything opened back up in Greece that May, they came in and did it and they the two bigger stars of the movie, who was Mickey Rourke and this Russian actor, Sasha Petrov, um, they like flew them in to do their part and then flew them out again. But it was they were like limited on time and limited in scope. It's also why a lot of the scenes are like very light on people. They tried to keep it as small as possible. So there's like a lot of scenes with one or two people in them in the movie. Was the color really washed out in your showing as well? Um, I don't know about Wash Out. Definitely like had this kind of like dreamy filter over everything. Like so I was seeing it with my 11-year-old daughter who turned to me and she goes, "Wow, this movie's really pretty. Like everything's like sort of floating and dreamlike." And it def I think it was an aesthetic choice. I think so um, too. But- it was a 
bizarre one for my in my opinion just because this is a movie where um you're kind of following this uh he, he becomes a saint but at the time he's how would you how would best to describe him um i would say that he was a bishop of the of the orthodox church at that time um he uh, under the patriarchate of alexandria so in the egyptian a part of the Orthodox Church, and he was the Bishop of Pentapolis, and he was considered very holy by people. He was a great ascetic and was, you know, big on, like, lots of fasting, lots of prayer, lots of charity, really connected with poorer people, and was sort of uh, booted from his part of the church by the hierarchs who were jealous of his popularity with, like, the common people. And... uh then he he goes off and does this stuff, continues to be persecuted by them and kind of suffers in humility through everything um, and, you know, ultimately does become a saint of the church and that they play the apology from the Patriarchate of Alexandria at the end of the movie. And that is a real apology that they subsequently issued in the decades since he was recognized as a saint. This is Saint Nectarios. And, um, and, and it is interesting kind of like, that sort of dynamic in the church of of this person really not being considered anybody great by the church officials and sort of the higher-ups in the church at the time, and them having to kind of backtrack and say sorry a hundred years later for for messing up his life at the time. So, you know, a little late, but he came around eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of following his journey for 30 years, and it's, uh, it's a movie where... You know, you, this guy is kind of getting kicked around a lot, and um, he just continually stays being a very good person. So, when you have a movie like that, that's basically not a lot happens from an action perspective, uh, and not a lot, and a lot of the movie is visually based. I mean, we're seeing that's I think the strongest point of this movie is a lot of it is shot. It's shot on location in Greece, and it's really interesting to look at. But when you wash it out, I'm kind of losing some of maybe the the thing I would want to see most, which is the setting, at least for me in this particular film, uh, and it's kind of washed away, but it does, it does give kind of a hazy look, but maybe that helps with it being not of this time. Um, how did you feel the performance? This is by uh, an actor, Aris Cervitalis. Cer Cervitalis, yeah. I've never seen him in anything before. I wasn't really overwhelmed with his performance. Um, he was okay, I think. I think a few of the actors were struggling and I think it detracted from the film overall. This would be probably my one big, big quibble with the film that they made the decision to film it all in English rather than doing subtitles, which I understand the reasoning behind it. They're trying to reach as broad an audience as possible. They've dragged in Mickey Rourke. They're trying to, you know, reach the English speaking world and subtitles immediately limits your audience because there's just a whole bunch of people who just won't go see a movie with subtitles on it. So I get it. I think that I think that the actors, some of them struggled a little bit with giving credence to the dialogue in English. Um, and I think that it also is distracting from me, like all the different accents. So like you have Greek accents, you have Costas, that assistant guy, has a Russian accent. Then you have Mickey Rourke at the end, and I'm like, what is this accent? Why is he here? Like that that was a distraction for me. And and I do think that it got in the way of the of the, the acting performances a little bit. I think I think uh is it Nectarios? Is that his name? Yeah, um Saint Nectarios. Yeah, so I mean he seems like obviously a really, you know, everything in this movie is true. He seems like a good person. I don't think he's the 
most interesting character. I mean, shitty things happen to him. And then he basically just has no reaction. He's like, oh, that kind of sucks, you know, or, oh, you know, you still got to be good. Like, he, just, he never changes emotion. So when you're watching this basically like a motionless character for two hours with a washed out movie and actors that really aren't comfortable speaking, and it's a 30-year biopic, basically, so everything, and that's, that's, the, that's the problem with biopics. Everything just kind of gets thrown in there. So you're not really getting a story. You're just getting, like, snapshots. It doesn't make for a very good movie, in my opinion. Now, you, you like this movie, though, right? Yes, I really did like the movie. Um, I thought it was really beautifully shot. I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of the film because, I mean, I don't, there's not a lot of Orthodox Christian movies out there. There are a lot of Christian movies out there, but, um, you know, or, Orthodox people aren't a huge percentage of the movie market. There's only like six million Orthodox people in the United States. So, um, you know, I, I was nervous that this was gonna this first foray into orthodox filmmaking was gonna be like not great quality. It was gonna be like when conservatives put out like conservative alternative to Hollywood movies that it right. was gonna be and 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 a lot of like evangelical Christian movies are just like objectively terribly they're awful. Uh, not, not all. So, of them. I mean, I, I, like you know the Kirk Cameron ones. I mean, those are horrible movies. Like, exactly. there's no question about it. No, no one can defend those films. I was scared that it was gonna be like that, but like with an orthodox veneer on it but but I felt that I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of the movie itself and the quality of the production and everything and and that made me really happy um I although I struggled with like the accent dialogue thing a little bit and it took me out of it somewhat I did I did think the acting was good I would argue that he's not emotionless I mean like you see him cry you see him frustrated. Well, you don't I, see him cry. You but, see a, a tear come out of his eye. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean we, we, we see an eye drop gone awry. I don't know if we see him cry. But, but I recognize that it's, you know, that that kind of vision of sainthood is very strange to American audiences, especially if you're used to the idea of Christianity that's like pushed in evangelical blockbusters and Kirk Cameron stuff where everything's like flashy and people are having near death experiences and like I don't know snake handling and speaking in tongues and like it's it's an incredibly like much quieter more boring essentially vision of spirituality or I guess the fairer term would be more peaceful version of spirituality right it's there's and there's a, a pleasure taken in the small things and I think um I think that is like slightly odd to an American audience like it seems weird like why isn't this guy reacting to everything like why are we watching him tend this flower and haul rocks but I mean this was really I thought a very true version of what orthodox spirituality is about and maybe it doesn't make as good a movie necessarily in terms of like the action and the plot but um I, I think that it is an interesting vision of life, like that you do have to find the meaning. I mean, life is full of terrible stuff happening to you. And historically, probably even more so to most people throughout human history than it is for us today. There's been, you know, tons of bad things happen to you and you need to learn to find like peace and truth and beauty in these smaller things and in the people around you and how to be a good person in that because that that's how this world is. So, you know, to me, it was a very like true portrayal of of what this saint's life was and, and what's meaningful to me in my faith personally. 
Yeah, I, I agree with some of the things you said there for sure. Uh, so like, you know, we mentioned the Kirk Cameron, like those like left behind movies or just, just you know, mm -hmm. some of this stuff. What's the one where he's like a fireman and he's yes, like right, right. fireproof? <laughs> fireproof, right. I mean, this is like just horrible, horrible movies. This is not that. So this is a step. Down. I'm going to give this movie a D. Uh, I was just bored to tears. But having said that, it's not a... It's not a horribly made movie. This isn't like Tyson's Run or The Tiger Rising or these like terrible films I've talked about on this show. It's not that level. It's a step above that. Like you said, there are elements. It's actually a really well shot. Um, the director's name is Yolanda Popovic. I've never heard of her, um, but I even- I She's Serbian, yeah. I checked through like some, I've never even heard of a movie she's ever even been involved with, but maybe I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not-, I'm not big into Serbian movie culture. I have no idea. But some of those some of those shots were very nice. I said this shooting on a location makes a huge difference. So they're able to get some really interesting shots. I guess they actually were even able to shoot literally on location. When I say that they're able they're able to shoot in the exact places where um where a lot of these events happened, you know, places where mm -hmm. Nectarios was actually at. Uh, so some of those things made it make a huge difference and make the film just a lot more watchable. And there's no <laughs> Some of the performances are like you said, the accents are off or the people are just wildly out of age. Like I think you have at one point, it might've even been Mickey Rourke's girlfriend is playing like a, like a 17 year old girl. And you're like, what, what's happening here? Um, so like there's sometimes when they're just like, oh, they look, they're so much older than they probably should be. Uh, but that's not, I mean, these are, these are not major gripes when it's comparing it to horrible movies. So it, I don't think it's terrible, but um, I, I was just bored. But like you said, though, you know, there's only six million is only, but it's still a pretty big number. Six million, you know, people who are Orthodox in this country. And I think you're seeing that if you really target movies to a certain demographic um, and tailor for them, the people will come out because they've been underserved for so long. Okay, I got to take a quick break to ask you, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England. They are a proud family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. KLJack has the quality fasteners, abrasive safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and to keep rolling. KLJack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but they are shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. If you have any industrial supply questions, reach out to Tim Riggles on Twitter. It's at Tim Riggles, at sign T-I-M-R-I-D-G-O-L-D-S. Or go to kljack.com right now to place that order. And if it's your first order, I'd load up that cart because you're getting 10% off your first online order with the promo code TIM10, TIM10. And now back to the conversation with Alice and myself. Right. I mean, I think people were really excited for this because there are, like, are no Orthodox movies. So, and... You know, they did advertise some other Christian movies at the beginning of this. And I think, you know, orthodoxy is a little bit particular. Like, I don't know if they would go see some of these more evangelical things. There was something about, like, predicting revelation that's not really our speed kind of stuff. So I, I think that, that yeah, it, 
because it's something really targeted, it's going to be very popular with that demographic and they will come out and see it. it it's it was a pretty fall theater near us. And, you know, I think that it, people are going to continue to hear about it and and go out and see it. I mean, I would go see it next week if I were available. Unfortunately, like I can't make the time because it's one time. But if I could, I absolutely would just go see it again because I don't know when it's even going to come out on a streaming service or be anywhere like even to buy. I don't that's, know see, what really, the plan is for that. That's really telling. And I, I was thinking watching this, I was like, you know, I, I watched this movie Tyson Drun, which is the worst movie I've, I've seen yet on, on doing this show. And they went out of their way to shoehorn in religion. And it was like, it was almost offensive. Like the family would be at the table and every meal they'd say grace, which is fine. But these people really never talked about religion except for like ways that producers could kind of like throw it in there. Cause you could tell they're angling for that church crowd. Um, they've seen other movies where if they have like some religious, religious themes in it, then the church going audience will, will go come go see this. And you can see like, they even had like a random scene in Tyson's run where they're at a church and like, it was totally out of place. They had no business really being in the movie, but you could see they were just trying everything they could to put it in there. It's like, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of cheap. But then the other side, you have American underdog, which has some religious undertones to it, but it always felt authentic. I mean, plus we know Kurt Warner is religious, but that the producers and director of, and, scri- and the screenwriters of that movie made it feel really natural. Like, oh no, this religion makes sense here. Where I, if I was religious, I would be kind of annoyed if people were kind of using faith to boost up the box office, if it was like inauthentic. Right. If it doesn't feel real, then it's not there. And this was, I mean, this was all made by Orthodox people, was totally like filmed in Orthodox places and with the blessing of all these people who are really involved in this saint's life and in his work. And so, I mean, it's as authentic as it gets in terms of a movie using faith, right? And, you know, I don't know if, I mean, like, obviously, I'd love there to be more showings of this so I could see it again. But I don't know if in a pre-COVID world with lots of people going to the theaters, if this would even get as many theaters and as many showings as it is right now. I mean, like, this isn't what movie theaters used to be like before. I don't know if it would have been able to get all these screens, even for these two dates. I bet it wouldn't have. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing right now, like, theaters are just willing to take chances. Like we're seeing them like take risks on movies they normally wouldn't have taken risks on. You know, one showing one night on a Monday, that's not much of a risk. But honestly, like, it, you know, this is doing so well. If someone comes out with another Orthodox movie a year from now, would they give it a couple week run in, in like a exactly. off, like in March or February? Why not? Uh, I think right now theaters are willing to try anything to get people in the theaters. And something like this movie really brought out, at least what I've seen, just, you know, from what I saw, what you saw, and I was just checking various theaters and looking at sea counts. It looks like this has done really well at every theater it's playing at, at least in New England. Yeah, it seems like it has. And just from the online buzz I've seen about it, everybody's been asking when, where can I see it? I mean, even for months, I was looking at this because I had seen some people sort of talking about it online about, you know, like, oh, we're seeing this private showing of this movie this about this saint. And I was like, when is it coming out? Where is it? I can't find it. And like months and months later, they're like, okay, one showing, guys. But yeah, I mean, I love the idea that because I like going to movie theaters and seeing movies and your podcast sometimes I listen to it all the time and sometimes it makes me like a little sad like 
like I don't know if you set out to chronicle the demise of the movie theater industry, but sometimes it feels a little bit like that. And I just think like, oh no, what's going to happen to all the movie theaters? But then I think, you know, maybe it will be an opportunity for there to be more niche, weird stuff to come out. And maybe that's a good thing. Like maybe people will take chances on more weird movies that are for little niche markets and, you know, a bunch of stuff that never would have gotten seen or would have been sent straight to DVD that now will have a chance to like get a broader audience. It's kind yeah, of interesting. I, I think, I think it certainly could. Now, this is a, this is a wider question here. So, um, I was thinking, you know, watching this movie, this wasn't, this wasn't terrible, but I'm thinking, I was thinking kind of, I had the Kirk Cameron stuff ahead. I, I was leaving the theater. I was like, why do these religious movies, why, why do I hate some of these? Why, why do these movies kind of stink? And I'm thinking, wait a second. One of my favorite movies of all time is a religious movie. I love, it's a wonderful life, which is about angels and like getting wings. And I know that's not orthodox, but that's a very, that's a movie with some heavy duty Christian themes to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, always said Ben-Hur and 10 commandments. Those aren't, perfect. Those movies have some serious flaws in them. Um, but those are also entertaining movies. Like I don't, and this is true, obviously in, in culture, but I feel like, you know, we've kind of turned our back on religion, but even like we've done it though now so abruptly from an entertainment standpoint, we've done it now so abruptly that even movies like it's a wonderful life. That isn't, I don't think that's a, you know, brimstone and devils and all this, all this stuff going on with it, but it definitely has religious, a religious take to it. Those, that movie would never get made today, I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think anybody would, people would be like, oh, this will turn people off. This is too much. You know, stop with this. And, and it is interesting. And I think it's because, um, you know, so many people just are completely out of touch with religion altogether. Like, it's not meaningful to them right especially in like hollywood right a lot of people aren't really in touch with religion but i think there are are big markets out there that are in touch with religion and um you know orthodoxy is only one of them right you know i think that a lot of african americans are very spiritual and have very strong faith i think that there i Clearly, there's the evangelical market. They're big enough. I think there's like 100 million evangelicals in the United States. They're big enough. They do have these movies catering to them, generally, which are pretty bad. But, you know, if they like them, then that's, I guess, what counts in the end of the day. But, um, you know, there's, there's, I think The Passion of the Christ is a case for a very religious movie. But that was one person's, like, passion project. Mel Gibson made that happen start to finish because he wanted to, right? So, and even that was 18 years ago. Like that was, they're, right. they're making a sequel as we speak. Um, we'll see mm-hmm. how that does. But even, I yeah. I think that even, actor played Jesus in a few follow-up movies to that. Yeah, Jim Caviezel's kind of, uh, he's gone, he was very much mainstream Hollywood and now he's gone, he's become very, focused very much on making, on making religious movies and, and that, that's kind of become a, a huge part of his life. I think he's done well enough where he can kind of make choices more on, what interests him as opposed to necessarily paychecks at this point. Um, I am curious to see how this next passion sequel, I guess is going to be basically takes place in hell. And I believe Caviezel will be reprising his role. Uh, so, Interesting. Um, you know, Mel Gibson directing a movie, obviously that's a hot button issue for a lot of people in Hollywood, but he's in a movie with, I want to say Mark Wahlberg. It's coming out in a few months. 
or maybe next month called Father Stew or something. So uh, I don't know. If, I wouldn't say Mel Gibson's all the way back, but at least Mel Gibson is able to get into movie theaters again, where maybe that wouldn't right, have been the case. He's not 100% canceled anymore. I guess. Yeah. So so maybe that the Passion uh, for the Christ sequel, will he'll be able to get distribution for that and get that into theaters. I, right. I, but I mean... I even think it's interesting somebody like Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire delving into movie making. I have not honestly seen any of those movies that he's been making, but supposedly he's getting Gina Carano now into something too. So, you know, I think if there start to be more kind of big Hollywood names and and I don't know how big Gina Carano is really, but big enough. I mean, Mickey Rourke was big enough to sort of I mean, these, were, none of these they people were playing are. It, they were playing it up that he was in it, though, right? Yeah, so, I guess. But these are I these think, aren't big names, though. These are definitely uh, definitely right. lower tier names for sure. But, but I guess it, it does it does build some credibility, though. Right. So it gives them some form of credibility, and, and as you sort of pull in sort of more of that Hollywood expertise, whether it's the acting or the directing or the screenwriting, whatever it is, then maybe you do start to get some better quality movies made for some of these more niche audiences i i definitely think you're right though about uh you know we are seeing the box office become more segmented like i mentioned there's an anime movie that's number two in the box office right now it beat out three other new releases that are much more mainstream um the niche movie market is growing literally right before our eyes you have your major 10 poles you're going to have your star wars you're going to have your marvel movies those movies are always going to be number one and always going to do at least right now in this marketplace do very well but as far as making those movies that open between five and fifteen million dollars, we're seeing those movies becoming things that are just tailored for a very specific audience. So I do wonder if you will see. And you won't look at the Kurt Warner movie. That movie hung around. That movie hung around for like an additional six weeks and longer than it should have because church groups were going to see it and kept boosting up that box office. So. I, I wonder if you will see more of these down the road. I mean, I'll go see them if they're out because I'll see I'll see everything. So I'll gladly, I'll, and I'm glad, I didn't know about this. You, you're the one that told me about this movie and I'm glad you did because it, it checked off an extra day for me. And um, I wouldn't have even known this movie existed because it's not, it's not being promoted in my circles. So I wouldn't, unless I was checking Fandango that day, I wouldn't have seen it. So um, it's nice I mean, I'm glad. Like I said, I'm glad. I'm glad I saw it. It was. Um, it wasn't necessarily for me. Like I said I'm giving it a D. What are you giving it, Alice? Um, I mean, I'd give it an A. I thought wow. it was great. It was exactly what. Well, it was what I ordered. Okay. You know, that's. <laughs> I'm the audience for it. I'm an um, English-speaking Orthodox person, and it. It was. It was exactly like what I thought it would be. I, you know, you mentioned it was like a little bit episodic. A lot of that is because there are like things that the saint is famous for having done. So they had to like stick those scenes in. So we saw like the greatest um, hits. Nick, Nick Terrio's yes, greatest exactly. hits. Yes, exactly. You're like, oh, now it's going to be when he gives the homeless man his shoes. I know this one. Oh, now is when he's going to save the janitor's job. Like, so it's like lots of, you know, it, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised by the quality. I was, I, went in fearing the worst but was very happy with everything it would have been nice to see him do something wrong though i mean i mean no one's perfect like would have been nice if he well but then it wouldn't be about it wouldn't have been about a saint then though are saints everything they do is right is that how it works i don't know how these things work no i mean couldn't they, couldn't you be no, kind of an not asshole everything once they do it's right not everything they do it's right no joking, i mean but, every single thing um, he did was like oh another win for nectarios you know as far as being a good person i mean he, he I guess he made some mistakes as far as like dealing with people politically, but I don't know. But even that was kind of 
glossed over, not glossed over, but explained away as far as him just always wanting to do the right thing. I don't know. Right. But I think that's like the goal of becoming a saint, right, is that you're always striving to be that. So you're always trying to do that. And we do catch up with him like as an adult. We don't see him as a kid or anything. He must have forgot to hold the door for somebody once or... Mm-hmm. Or, well, but I mean, like, would you have the same complaint about a movie about like the Dalai Lama that it like depicted him as like yes, too good and I would have been bored. Like this guy's always doing things right. I'm bored of this. Do something wrong. Be a human being. Be flawed. That's where things are interesting. Is the complexity of people trying to be good but ultimately flawed. That to me is ideal storytelling. Where this is is more of just a we're watching a guy be good for two hours, which. But like you said, it hit all the marks for you, and you are the target audience for that. You're exactly right. Did you talk to right. any of your, uh, or you got on the message boards, or have you talk, heard from, because not one critic reviewed this, by the way. Uh, it has right. zero I reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, there's some Greek reviews. If you like look on IMDb, there's some Greek newspaper reviews and, and a bunch on like Orthodox websites. But yeah, no no American reviewers reviewed it. Um, not even any audience reviews the last time I checked anyway. But when I talked to people, everyone was very happy. Um, I did run into like some people from my church at the movie theater and um, talked to some other people. I told my mom to go see it next week. But yeah, everybody that I talked to loved it and thought it was great. That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. Like I said, it did check off. I'm another sorry movie. that we bored you. <laughs> it, it's, I've seen worse. It, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't Tyson's run. Uh, and you know, the, some of the settings were interesting. I, like I said, I, I've seen much worse, but uh, yeah, but like I said, it, it just wasn't, well, it's not for me, but that's, uh, but it's obviously for people who are willing to go to the theater. So I, I will, I will let you know if I hear of another one and we can, we can definitely do this again. Um, if another religious movie comes out, cause I think it helps having you here because I obviously don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So, um, it's helpful having someone here who does, but thank you very much, Alice. I appreciate it. Thank you. Chris. And where can we hear you? I am on the burn barrel podcast with Tom Shattuck, uh, five days a week. And so you can hear me on that talking about politics and life and our chickens and everything like that. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Alice. Okay. Before I talk about the movie compartment number six, as well as give an update on the schedule of this podcast for the weekend, I wanted to update you folks on budget month. I did go to Regal uh, to watch Man of God, but because it was a fathom events, I did have to buy my ticket. That was not included in the Regal Unlimited. Uh, that does not include any fathom events. So when I saw The Quiet Man, uh, when, I, when I had Ned on, that was also a fathom events. Uh, unfortunately, that does not that is not included in the Regal Unlimited plan. So I did have to buy a ticket, and I also had to buy a ticket to see compartment number six, the Newburyport screening room. Good news is free parking on Sundays in Newburyport on the street. So I didn't pay a dime extra for parking. So all I had to do was buy the two tickets. So because of that, I'm, in, I'm starting to get in decent shape here as far as my budget's concerned. I now spent $2,731 since, uh, since the year began, which is $34.14 a day. Or if averaged out the entire year, it would be $12,460. So I'm in that $12,000 range. Maybe I could even get down to the $11,000 range before this budget month is over. The expense report is back again, sponsored by Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. Tom has been helping me get the budget back on track and I think I'm doing a better job. However, he doesn't just specialize in budgets for 42-year-old guys going to see movies every day. He helps people no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're starting a new job, planning for family expenses, or even setting someone up financially for retirement. Give him a call today to schedule a meeting with him to hear how he can help you. Whether today or sometime in the future, 
You won't know how he can help until you can hear what he does. Call him now at 732-403-7747. Again, that's Tom Treshock at 732-403-7747 to schedule your meeting today. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Give Tom a call today. He'd be happy to help you with whatever financial questions you may have. Okay, I know we're going along here, so I want to speak quickly about compartment number six. Uh, This is a foreign film. It was... um, it's truly an international film, really. It's in Russian and Finnish. Um, both Finland and Russia have production companies involved with this movie, and it's actually shot in both both countries. This was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film, and it was on the shortlist for the Academy Awards. Which, what that means is it basically made it to the top 15, and then when they carved that 15 to the five that got nominated, it missed the cut. But this is a good movie. Uh, it's right on that B minus C plus line. It's a very weak B minus for me, but it's an interesting story. It's about a, a woman, a young woman that's uh, looking to travel to Russia to look at, they're called the petroglyphs. They are in a very remote part of Russia and she's taking the train to get there and her she's in one of those compartments and her compartment mate is an odd guy. He's a Russian guy. He's a very blue collar guy. He's going to work in, in a mine. The first act of the movie or even maybe the first half, you're kind of seeing some of the dangers of what it must be like to travel uh, as a young woman. I mean, there's, there's a lot of risks. There's kind of creepy guys. I think it highlights some of those things pretty well without bashing you over the head with it. But the second half of the film as the Russian blue collar guy and the Finnish college student get to know each other, it becomes a lot more like uh, Lost in Translation, um, where you are seeing kind of what it's like to have these traveling mates or traveling adventures that really can make you feel more alive. I mean, maybe it's just because you know you're, it's going to be such a small moment in your life, and it is so almost disposable in a way. It's more, I guess, temporary is maybe the better word. Um, and because of that, I think people naturally are just going to take more risks or or just maybe do things out of their comfort zone they wouldn't do if they were in their own backyard. Uh, and I think this movie shows that really well. It shows traveling really well. It's directed by Juho Kuzminen, and I would definitely go see another film by him. Um, he's a very well-received Finnish director. He's been nominated for a number of Finnish Academy Awards. This is a good movie. If you're interested in traveling and kind of seeing the journey this young woman goes on, I would recommend giving compartment number six a try. So two things before I go, I want to let you folks know that I am looking for sponsors for April. I am booked up for the month of March, but there are spots available in April. Ad rates start at $50 a read. If you are interested and want to support this show or have something to promote, please give me a shout. It's at a theater at gmail.com. That's at a theater at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on Twitter. You can shoot me a DM. It's at a theater near me is the handle with the at being the at symbol. So at a theater near me or shoot me an email if you'd like to support the show. As far as scheduling for this show, on Saturday morning, you'll have an episode up that will go over the Oscar nominations. Of course, the Oscars are on Sunday. So I'll be discussing what movies I think should win or maybe should win or maybe should have been nominated. We'll go through the major categories. Hopefully that should be a fun episode. And then Monday morning, uh, I'm going to watch the Oscars, obviously Sunday night. And then late that night, I'll do an episode kind of giving my recap of the of the Oscars themselves. So uh, Saturday, you'll have an Oscar preview. And then Monday morning, you'll be getting an Oscar recap show. I will talk to you folks on Saturday. Saturday.